Welcome to the Pregnancy Help Podcast. I'm Christine Grimmett. I'm here with our Vice President of Communications and Marketing, Andrea Trudden. And we'll be discussing with our guest how uh, pro-life groups can work together in a political world. I know we recently spoke to a, a legislator on uh, what they like to see and hear as that they can um, have a stronger relationship with pregnancy help organizations. So now we're kind of going to go on the flip side and talk from the uh, pro-life organization side. What are some things we can do to uh, strengthen those connections and keep those relationships going well? Uh, I'd like to give a quick shout out to Heartbeat Academy for the many webinars, courses, both live and self-paced and in-person training options that are available on topics specific to the pro-life community. We've talked recently on our podcast about relationships with the media, and we have additional in-depth training on that through Heartbeat Academy. We've also discussed topics like leadership, fundraising, volunteer training, even medical topics. And Heartbeat Academy is where you can go to dive deeper into these topics with presenters who are experts in each field. If you're interested in what Heartbeat Academy has available, check out heartbeatservices.org and click on the store at the top of the page. All right. Well, welcome, Andrea, and welcome to our special guest, Angela Erickson. Hey, thanks for having me on. Thanks so much, Christine. Yes, I am excited because um, I like podcasts. They're very enjoyable. And Angela runs uh, Integrated with Angela Erickson. And if you have not yet tapped in to listen to her, um, I do suggest that you do so either just through a podcast or on YouTube. Um, but she's such a wealth of knowledge and gets amazing interviews on very deep topics, um, but then simplifies practical ways that you can actually apply that knowledge into um, taking very strong uh, Christian and pro-life perspectives, and then really finding really practical ways to implement that within your personal life, your work life, spiritual life, in very uh, mighty ways. So I encourage everybody to listen to um, Integrated with Angela Erickson. But before you skip off of this podcast, let's uh, talk right to Angela. So Angela, you have a very interesting background that I love. Um, so can you kind of walk us through the path that God has had you on um, in, throughout your journey and what brought you to this point for such a time as this? Wow, that's a really big question. <laughs> uh, I think I was like many young women going through the K through 12 uh, education system. I, I'm from a fairly large family. Um, we're Catholic. We didn't do a lot of pro-life activism or anything like that, but um, it was just not a question. It was assumed we were pro-life and opposed to birth control and things like that. Uh, but I had instances in my life where I was confronted with abortion, I think like many of us, but it didn't um, seep in right away. I sort of like my, my oldest sister had two abortions when I was in high school she's six years older than I am. And when she told me about them, it was a shock. I, I remember, I remember exactly where I was. It was one of those moments in life. Like people remember where they were when the twin towers fell. It was very much a twin tower moment in my life. When I realized that my sister had aborted my nieces or nephews and uh, that she had had the help of my biological father in paying for those abortions and going to the clinic. Um, I remember I was speechless and she sort of was waiting for an answer for me. And all I could say was, how could you do that? And I'm pretty sure I hung up the phone. I was, I was 17 at the time and it was just a lot for me to take in. And years later in college, I sort of pushed that to the, the back. I didn't really want to confront it. It was too much for me. And I, I just wanted to go to college. And at the time I was like many young women, I was pursuing a career. I was very excited at the idea of having a high powered career, 
my, I married my boyfriend at the time. So like my husband and I have been married almost a decade now. Uh, but children, while it was important to me, it wasn't, it wasn't something I thought about. It wasn't something I fantasized about like many women do. And I just wanted that high power career. I wanted to travel and have a lot of money and just financial security and independence. Which is how we were raised to do. That's how we were raised. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And that's part of the problem, right? Is that we're telling women, this is how you meet your potential. Um, And that's why so many of these women, when they're confronted with an unexpected pregnancy, they cannot imagine motherhood because it wasn't a part of their plan. That's not how they were Mm -hmm. meant to meet their potential. That's not what they were trained for, for 12, 16 plus years. Um, So kind of along that, those lines, I ended up getting somewhat harassed by a pro-life student to come join their pro-life meetings. And uh, I finally, finally did. And it was the weirdest group of misfits I had ever been with. And I loved it. It was amazing. And then I became the president of that pro-life group on campuses, very liberal public university. And then after that, somehow I landed a job at Students for Life of America as their first ever Northern Regional Coordinator. So I was coordinating a five-state area, going and training and doing outreach and fighting for student rights, things like that. After that, it was too much with with a newborn baby to continue to travel so much. And so I got a little closer to home through some really amazing God stuff. Um, ended up becoming a pregnancy center director at the age of 24, I believe. Was I 20, 24 or 25? About that age, I was, I was running a pregnancy center here that was local for a couple of years. And then after that, I worked for LifeSite News doing development work with major donors. And then I became a stay-at-home mom after our third kid. That was when I said, you know what? This is where God is calling me. I need to I need to hunker down and be with my children. And that's what I love is all the different aspects of you've you've had your hand in the activism element. You've had your hand in the compassion uh, pregnancy center world. You've done the writing from that bird's eye view to be able to communicate that message of life and hope. And actually your story and mine have some parallels where it's like, I think when you get to the third kid, you're like, all right, we got to see how can we balance <laughs> I can't this? do this. Yeah. And, and two, I've been, I've been very honored to be part of uh, an organization here called pro-life action ministries. And so they do sidewalk counseling. I'm a board member there. I've done sidewalk counseling. I've also uh, been in, engaged in lobbying and, and testifying at the state Capitol against a pro-abortion legislation and, and in favor of pro-life legislation. So yeah, you're right. I've kind of, I'm like a little Swiss army of pro-life activism because I just love, I love this work so much. It's so important. Uh, and I, I wish we had more people moved from a state of apathy into activism. We have to be, we have to be proactive. And that is um, definitely one of, I kind of go through, I say in the pro-life world, I see it as kind of five pillars that are there. I mean, we have our research arm, which is amazing because it gives us all of those facts and data that we can use to then educate and lobby um, or then be activists and motivate, encourage others to get involved. And then we need our legal side because we don't want to get in trouble. Um, And then you can keep us on the right. We love our legal teams. You guys are the best. And then, of course, the pregnancy help world, which is that place for all of those others to point to when it's like, great, you want to get these pro-life laws moved. But where are the women going to go? It's like, oh, we have this lovely network nationwide. It's very huge. Yes. So talk to me about, so you have such a good perspective from various angles. Can you talk a little bit about the differences? Because as Christine mentioned, we, we have, um, 
had the opportunity to talk with a few different legislators um, and past legislators. We host an event each year called Babies Go to Congress so that we can bring these um, pregnancy centers, moms and babies to Congress or to meet their congressmen, to meet their senators and share their stories. But you have this perspective from different angles. Can you talk about the differences there a little bit? Oh, boy. Yeah, I think every what you're what you're getting at without necessarily saying is how vital and integral each of these aspects are of the pro-life movement. Mm -hmm. I think I see sometimes pro-life organizations almost want to try and do it all. And I have seen that when we stick to our mission, we are able to accomplish so much more because we're not spreading ourselves so thin, right? You become the expert like heartbeat international. You guys were a lifeline to me when I was a new pregnancy center director. I remember coming to the heartbeat international conference and it was amazing uh, because I, it was a newer organization for me. Um, it was very young. And so I was, I was at a loss being a young 20 something year old new mom trying to figure out how to run a pregnancy center. Harping yeah, just a few things, just a few <laughs> things. I just had a few things on my plate <laughs> and, and you guys were a lifeline for me, you guys and NIFLA and things like that. Uh, but see like all you specialize in the pregnancy center networking and, mm -hmm. and equipping pregnancy centers. And you, you know how to draw in the right organizations to specialize in legal, like NIFLA or ADF, all of these amazing organizations that are helping serve women. And so, yeah, the differences that I see, I think we do see sometimes a, a different ethos, right? Like the people who are doing apologetics, they're highly relational. I mean, cause I've done a lot of that too. I've done a lot of campus outreach with, with organizations like justice for all and equal rights Institute, things like that, which are amazing apologetics organizations. If you are, if any of your listeners are, are interested in learning more on that and go to equal rights Institute, um, they're good friends of mine, but, um, having that relational apologetics, things like that, um, that's really important to me. And I think that served me very well when I was running the pregnancy center too, and training my staff and how to talk to women about abortion, meeting them where they were at. So yes, there are differences, but they do sort of bleed into each other. Um, same with the policy stuff, right? Like pregnancy centers are under attack right now in a post-ops world. Um, here we are, or post-row world since the Dobbs decision. So there are differences. Um, and I think it's important that people really get good at their mission and learn to collaborate uh, because they do bleed into each other naturally. And that's why learning all these different aspects of the pro-life movement has come very natural to me. And I love it. Um, there's been a lot of variety, but there's a lot of bleed over too. Mm -hmm. Well, let's pull in some of your background. So I'm going to tell the truth here and you're in Minnesota and that's Minnesota. a rough state. <laughs> that's yeah. a rough state to be in right now. It is one of the abortion states that is under a very fine microscope. So there is some elements from your uh, students for life days and even probably um, I'd say even pulling back from college days for you that you've been able to kind of pull in and or see matching up with your pregnancy center experience to kind of push back against what you what you're visualizing right now in this uh, post row world. So can you talk about that a little bit, like how you've been able to take all those experiences and what that has kind of highlighted for you? Uh, within your own state? Yeah, that's a, that's an excellent question. Um, this legislative session was rough. Uh, we had a rogue judge here in Ramsey County named Judge Gilligan, who uh, basically temporarily repealed all of our pro-life laws, except for our fetal disposal law, if I'm not mistaken, that might've been the only one. Um, and so there was a stay on those. And then this organization called Gender Justice 
sued the state of Minnesota to overturn all of these laws. And then, and then of course, during different pieces of legislation that was being passed, they just sort of broke away and chipped away at all of those laws that we've had on the books. And we've been an abortion state for a very long time. We've been paying for abortion since Dovi Gomez, which I believe was like 92 or 93 when that was passed. I mean, we have been a very pro-abortion state for a long time, but there were placeholders that that were unique to Minnesota. For example, our abortion reporting law was the most extensive in the entire country. Now there are limits on our abortion reporting law and we won't be getting the same in-depth look at abortion in Minnesota anymore. They've sort of obscured and obfuscated what's going on in the numbers. So we can't dig in and drill deep to see, okay, how many of these women are having abortions at 36 weeks? How many abortions are being done by this physician, even though they They say physician A, B, C, all that stuff. But how many of these abortions are happening at a new organization like Just the Pill, which is, um, you know, an organization driving around now, kind of copying, say, the storks, but abortion. And they're they're patrolling our borders and doing stuff like that. So that's another thing that pregnancy designers have to confront and pro-life organizations have to confront is how are we going to adapt at a time when they're making abortion mobile Mm -hmm. the same way that, say, the storks has made ultrasounds mobile? There are a lot of new things that we're looking at um, and exploring how to confront those things. How do we how do we geotarget in pregnancy centers when we're sidewalk counseling so that we target our ads to those women who are sitting there waiting, scrolling on their phones while they wait for their abortion appointment? Can we can we get ads drilled in there um, to let them know like there are resources right down the street? There's a pregnancy center right there, and we can bring them over. Um, we have a new world in front of us with technology and and this hyper push for abortion. So for me personally, um, you know, my organization, we're talking about that at Pro-Life Action Ministries. How are we going to target those women and and remind people that this abortion does kill a baby? I think one of the things I have been slightly concerned about in the pro-life movement and this, I, I noticed this when I was running pregnancy center and I did this as well, but we sort of, we focus on the woman so much, which is great. But it's almost to the detriment of acknowledging the death of the child. We sort of, and I get that, like you serve the woman and you're going to meet her needs. She's going to be less likely to abort. But I think we need a both and like so much in our faith life, for example, is both. And it's not one thing or the other. It's we have to do both. Um, And this is one of those areas where I think, yes, it's so important to remind the woman that she is she's a human being with dignity, but so is her child. And we can't run away from that. We can't stuff that aside um, to, to assuage her conscience. Um, in fact, we need to convict her of that truth for, because her child also has dignity. So, um, those are the things that I'm seeing going to the Capitol, trying to convince our legislators not to advance legislation that would harm women and children even more than, than our state already does. Um, and I brought all my kids with me like that first when I was lo- lobbying and, and testifying before the uh, the state house committee for the PRO Act, which was the the reproductive act or whatever that sort of enshrined abortion more into our constitution. Um, that that was really powerful for me. My my daughter was sitting on my lap and there were my my face and her face were plastered all over the state news front page, me and her with my daughter smiling and looking at the woman who introduced the bill and wrote it uh, for Planned Parenthood and and their their side. Um, It was just a really powerful moment for my children. And I realized like, this is what I want my children to see. I want them to know that I'm fighting for them. And I know that the the pro-abortion side would say, 
no, you're fighting against them because you're not giving them choices. But I am fighting for them. These bills really leave children vulnerable. And so we have to talk about it. We have to be having these conversations publicly. We have to be engaging our family members and our friends and shouting from the rooftops where we can because um, the media is not on our side. And that was another aspect to to all of this. People were clueless about what was advanced this legislative session. And I, I think most of them still are, unfortunately. Yeah, it is something that we find across the nation too, the things that they're suppressing versus the stuff that they're just choosing to ignore, like purposefully ignore, like, nope, I don't see it. It doesn't exist. And it it does, um, it very much so rings true that if it's not printed, does it actually exist? Because if nobody knows about it, then it definitely needs to be communicated effectively. And we do have certain channels. However, we know that those are limiting. And I was making some notes along the way you were mentioning geo geofencing and and target marketing uh, more effectively. And I know that the digital marketing world is actually one of the ways that we're being, uh, it's a hurdle for pregnancy centers because Mm -hmm. of just the challenges of uh, influencers uh, pressing against Google to limit any and all advertising and then even suppressing their organic growth. And so that's definitely something that we're working uh, to to monitor and push back against because Mm -hmm. it's one of those things that it's just like, you are taking any choice away from these women except abortion. And we know these women, we hear their stories. We um, have seen their children later after they have made that choice for a life um, and then seen how far they've come making positive choices. But yet you are pushing a completely separate agenda from, again, those women that we've been able to meet and talk with who regret that choice and mm-hmm. felt coerced into making that felt they had no option, but it, except for the fact that they didn't have anybody around to tell them that you're stronger than you believe you are right now. And mm-hmm. let's just pause for a moment and figure out a pathway for you to both achieve your dreams and be a mom. Um, because mm-hmm. it happens, it's just in the moment of overwhelming that, which is why I think uh, we are very woman focused because we know that once we're able to encourage her, yes. then that helps her see the value, not only in herself, but in the life inside of her. So we, we do get women focused, but you are very right that, um, and I think that's where the, the different realms of the pro-life movement working together is incredibly vital because we are able to, uh, cast wider nets because more, we have more nets. <laughs> and yep. so we're able to get more people to understand the truth of the life inside, the value of the life inside, and then the truth of abortion and what it is. Right. right. Yeah. And I think, you know, I talk, I talk to friends of mine about this quite often, especially doing the sidewalk counseling aspect and, and trying to help form that program. Uh, it's so important. That's, that's one of the reasons I'm, I'm not a huge fan of when there's sidewalk counseling, having graphic images. Um, I know there's a lot of debate about that. I think it can be effective. Maybe I'm not, so I'm not going to outright write it off. However, you think of the woman who is going in, her brain is in crisis mode. So she's, her brain is actually not functioning. Her frontal lobe is not functioning. She's actually going back to those most primitive aspects of her brain function, which are survival. And so uh, her mind, she's trying to reduce the threat and escape from that. And so it's really important that you're showing that she's safe. Like you're making her feel safe and not just, you know, patting her on the back and, and just like lying to her and telling her everything's going to be great. And you're going to be fine uh, because this is probably really hard for her. 
And it's probably gonna be really hard for her if she chooses life too. Uh, but providing safe space for her to share her story. Um, that is really important to me. And so, yeah, you're right. I mean, we do have to be women focused in that crisis moment. Uh, that's the immediate danger, but, um, but yeah, I think as a, as a movement as a whole in some parts of it, it's like, we've kind of forgotten about the baby a little bit. And yeah. we have some fun stories as you were talking about uh, speaking in front of your legislator with your baby. Um, our legal counsel actually wrote our amicus brief for the Dobbs case with her brand new baby. Like I mm. think that she was maybe, a, cause she was definitely still on maternity leave, but I'm thinking like two to three weeks old and That's we have historic. the greatest picture with baby on shoulder and our legal counsel just typing away. That's and so beautiful. It, and it was her fourth baby at the time. So it's like, no, 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 no. You're telling women <laughs> that they cannot do this while yeah. we are proving time. And again, I mean, the three of us on this call, all moms, all finding ways to um, utilize our passion and make change um, in one way or another. So thank you. Um, yeah. <laughs> because it's, it is a very true statement that um, we have to have the compassion side, but we are women and we understand the thoughts that are going through their mind and we know that they can overcome it. Um, but then we can also use our powers for good and make change where others see that good as well. That's right. So thinking back, getting back to um, the public policy side of things. And um, so you have spoken there as a mother, I'm assuming in yes, that moment. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then, yeah. So where do pregnancy health organizations fit into this role? with public policy. Yeah. I think that they have to be engaged, like aware of what's going on. I think often pregnancy centers, it's easy to get caught up in your day-to-day operations, right? Because if you have a lot of women streaming in, you've got programs to develop, like earn while you learn, you're running a boutique, you're making sure your volunteers are coming in. All that stuff is super important. Uh, but I think it's really important that you are creating, as we discussed, coalitions, uh, you're coming together with other organizations. You're making sure that you have organizations like for example, here we have organizations like, you know, Minnesota Citizens Concerned for Life, which is our right to life organization. Um, we have Minnesota Family Council. We have Minnesota Catholic Conference. These are all organizations that work specifically with public policy. And so on the back end of things, there's communication going on between organizations, between the sidewalk counseling organizations and sidewalk and uh, pregnancy centers to inform everybody of what's going on, what the strategy is moving forward and, uh, and trying to work together publicly, not just behind the scenes, but saying like, Hey, we're going to sponsor this day at the Capitol to bring awareness to this bill that's coming in here. And so you'll see a lot of pregnancy center directors and hopefully their board members attending those events, not on paid time. Got to keep in mind, you're not a 501c4. You cannot do political activism, but um, being involved that way. So you're aware and then inviting your legislators to come and see, especially your antagonistic ones. Hey, come and look at the great work we're doing in our center. Maybe you didn't know that we're providing free diapers for women and formula, especially when that formula shortage happened in 2021 or whenever Mm -hmm. that was. Um, Hey, we're providing clothing. Hey, we're educating. I mean, for goodness sake, how many of us as mothers got a proper education in, in uh, being parents, like how to listen to our baby's cries and know what kind of cry means what exactly. I mean, those are the things that, uh, that these women are learning by being a part of an earn while you learn program, or, um, you know, they're, they're getting way more 
stuff to equip them than most of us had. We, we learned by trial and error. Um, and they're still learning that way. Yeah. Every day. Uh, but you know, there's just a little bit more there. And so I think being able to show them, this is, this is our environment. We're not a judgy place. Um, we're not, we're not doing the things that you guys are saying we're doing with these silly campaigns that you have uh, to expose fake clinics. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> that. Well, and I don't need, yeah, I don't even know that it, it needs to address what we're not doing. I think it's just opening their eyes to what For sure. you do. And um, we have opportunities here that there are a few pregnancy centers that do walkthroughs very specifically where they will invite, um, which is a great idea because you're, you're yes. being able to show them kind of the pathway what, with examples as to what a woman would experience from the moment she enters until she leaves. And it gives a really good aspect. It's a little bit different than a tour. It has a little bit added element to it, but then you don't have to even say like, oh yeah, we're not telling them that we're a fake clinic. We're not yeah, doing exactly like me, media rules. Like we you did, don't yeah, say what no, you don't, you don't do. Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. Um, it's funny because we did stuff like that when I was at the at, mm-hmm. at, when I was running my pregnancy center, and uh, we also built really strong relationships with the county. And so the county sends so many women to the pregnancy center there now. They have grown exponentially. Exponentially, they in fact they just expanded their building to double the amount of counseling rooms that they have because they had such an influx of women over the last uh, few years. And so, yeah, you're right. Like to see that growth and to know, okay, the the county sees value in what we're doing. Here's why. And, um, this, this, because you're providing all these amazing sources, like all of these resources to women, you don't have to shy away from that. You can be really proud of that. That's great work. Um, especially a lot of clinics too, I'm seeing are, are beginning to do more prenatal care and, mm-hmm. and that's huge. That is huge. There is no other, uh, industry, so to speak. There's nobody else doing that for free or for very, very cheap. Um, so yeah, pregnancy centers all around, they are like the jewel in my opinion of pro-life work. Well, and it is, uh, going back to like being that resource for the County and making sure that they know you don't know what you don't know. So Mm -hmm. if you're only hearing somebody else tell you what a crisis pregnancy center is, then they're not actually understanding the vast um, services that a pregnancy help organization provides. And each one is different. And so um, we of course have maternity homes. We have pregnancy resource centers, but we also have pregnancy help medical clinics to your point um, where the the services vary depending upon the needs of the community. And then um, those who are able to invest their time and talents in it. So that definitely comes into play as well. Mm-hmm. And then if a mission gets called to go, uh, if an organization's mission is called to kind of dig deeper, um, then that opens those opportunities, which is great. I'm so glad you brought up coalitions. I know we chatted about it before getting on the call, Angela, but it was really good to um, hear that because I do want to take the moment to encourage that if um, somebody working in a pregnancy help organization does not know of a coalition um, in their state, um, Heartbeat International can connect you because we are huge about coalitions. Um, our affiliate services department monitors and figures out kind of the point of contact. Um, we love to work with coalitions um, because of those connections that you're talking about, one with one another. It's mm-hmm. always a good idea to come together um, at least annually. We love it at our conference to be with pregnancy help organizations and know that, oh, I'm not the only person doing this. (laughs) Others are going Mm -hmm. through similar experiences, but specifically in your own state, 
because you guys each have um, unique situations, unique legislators, um, and different bills being proposed and such. So it's a good opportunity to connect. And then again, if you don't know, then we can connect you with whomever we are aware of uh, within that state. Uh, because it, then you can also utilize coalitions uh, specifically at meetings for additional training. Um, right. Our Ohio coalition actually did what you were talking about a little bit ago, where they invited other organizations that go beyond pregnancy help. It, they are the more um, right to life or um, their values-based organizations to come in and talk about these are the things going on now uh, politically. Here's mm-hmm. what you need to know. And oh, by the way, on this day, there is going to be a rally at the state house. And so it gives those opportunities to um, educate on pro-life fully um, and then other things that may impact an organization from that political side that they may be oblivious to. Mm-hmm. So I, I wanted to kind of go back to coalitions because I I affirm that it is vital um, mm-hmm. for pregnancy help organizations to be tapped in and, and know of their local coalition um, as well. So always good. So thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's really important. And I just wanted to throw out there too, you can bring in all kinds of people like my my friend, Tammy Coker, maybe you guys heard of her, but she runs New Life Family Services. She's a very dear friend of mine. Um, And and she hosted after some of the stuff that was going on with Pro Act and some of the um, damages was that this was actually before her clinic in the Phillips neighborhood of Minneapolis was damaged. She hosted Alliance Defending Freedom to talk about how to talk to the media and kind of being aware of what's going on legislatively, what, how to make your, how to present yourself the best if you do get interviewed by local media, national media, international media. Um, and, and it was just that that was wonderful. You had all these pregnancy centers and then me, which I don't know why I was there. I was invited. <laughs> <laughs> but I got to sit in and enjoy it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was like you could see ev- all of these center directors were all talking about what's going on and to get this great training so that you can also present your message should the media come to your front step and say, hey, what do you think about all this stuff going on? Um, or what do you say about this accusation being leveled against you right now? Uh, it's really important that you are educating yourselves and working with these other organizations that can equip you to to do the best that you can to pre- present your sense and and fight for your clients. Well, and in the case of Tammy, then was able to take that media training even further and yes. go to DC and exactly. actually testify in front of Congress. That's right. So continuing that fight nationally in regard to the um, FACE Act and really helping secure pregnancy help organizations. So we're not advocating that everybody do that, but it's not no. a bad idea to be prepared in case be heartbeat prepared. needs to call on that, you. No. Yeah, that was a God thing. Yes, that was very much ordained. Yeah, that God <laughs> put that on her heart to do that. And then all this chaos erupted in Minneapolis. So it is always amazing to kind of pause and look at what God has been preparing you for all these years that then all of a sudden you need that tool that he's already given you, but you kind of had back on a shelf. And yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, that's why you gave me that. hundred <laughs> percent. Yes. Okay. So going back, you were talking about some good ways to um, grow the relationship with mm-hmm. legislators. So I do think that that is wonderful. Are there any additional tips that you found effective either through your work with students for life or um, at the pregnancy center of, of at gaining those aha moments. Um, Mm -hmm. The walkthrough was a great example. Was there anything else like that? That is a good tip. Hosting community events, even at the center on the weekend. So like sometimes, you know, you could, you can invite 
an ice cream truck over like building those collaborations next door, actually to the pregnancy center. I ran a St. Vincent de Paul thrift store popped up too. And so now you have this really great thrift store right next to the pregnancy center. And they're, they're all of like mind. Um, and I don't know, I'm sure there must've been people involved on both. I would imagine, uh, that, that was part of the idea was helping to serve those women there. Uh, yeah, well, there was maternity home. You're always inviting people in to see and experience what your clients are experiencing. And also, um, not being afraid to go to random things. I remember I would go to networking events and just talk to complete strangers, other business leaders in the area about the work we were doing. And so many of them had no idea that we existed. So look for a networking uh, opportunity. For example, ours was like a raid. It was named after the local freeway or whatever. And so people yeah, the come, chamber of commerce, chamber of commerce, rotary, um, going and speaking at churches. I did a lot of that too, going and speaking to congregations that were receptive and, ha- and sitting down with pastors from from churches that maybe it was really interesting. I remember having one conversation with a pastor who was, uh, he, I think himself was pro-life, but he did not want to advance that message in his congregation. Mm-hmm. So you also learn a little bit more about who are not really your allies or who maybe you need to work on and evangelize, uh, when you have the time, cause that's not your priority, <laughs> but I mean, it was, it was a really interesting experience. And so, uh, you can't always assume that every church is gonna, is going to be helpful. And so it's good to reach out and sort of know where to invest your time and energy and, and build those relationships, going to coffee, um, meeting with people at local events. Um, I think all that stuff, get, tabling at anywhere and everywhere you can for local community events is also really important to just to spread awareness that you exist. So, yeah, that does come into play with, I, this goes much beyond, uh, just legislators, but that is a just growing awareness within the community to gain possible new clients, possible new supporters, possible new um, staff and volunteer because you're advancing the mission by communicating it throughout the the community. And a lot of the time your legislators, especially locally, they're, they're probably going to be at those big community events. And so you're legitimizing your organization by having a consistent presence. um, And you get more touch points is what we'd call them in, in fundraising, mm-hmm. right? Like you want as many touch points with the people that you're trying to engage and get get invested in your mission, either emotionally, spiritually, or or financially. Um, so as many touch points as you can make in your community, the better. Um, and don't be afraid to delegate that to people. Like as an executive director, you can only do so much. Um, I think it's really wise for organizations to consider investing in a position that focuses specifically on this area, making sure your, um, your nurse manager and and medical director are also involved to help legitimize what you're doing as well. If you do have more of that medical arm in your pregnancy center work, um, you want to get people to see, see you for what you are, which is legit and awesome. So I love that. (laughs) That, that is just a good tag phrase. Pregnancy centers, legit and awesome. They are, they are, they're amazing. I mean, I I won't lie. They're not like all created equal. I get that. But I mean, there is nobody doing that work. And and, and that's the thing is like in a post-roll world, a truly post-abortion world, pregnancy centers are going to be what keeps everything together. So um, these other things are really important. But at the end of the day, pregnancy resource centers are never going to go anywhere. So we have to take our time and 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 promote the great work that you guys are all doing at Heartbeat International and all of your affiliates. 
That was something that we answered a lot um, right after the Dobbs decision. It was like, well, what are pregnancy centers going to do now? It's like, well, the reality exactly is exactly what that they've if- already been doing. <laughs> The reality is Except if maybe more. abortion, yeah, if abortion <laughs> disappeared and was outlawed completely, there would still be a woman who wakes up today fearing that she's in an unexpected pregnancy and not certain where to go. So that's where um, the pregnancy help organizations really come into play. That's so. right. Yes. <laughs> no, you're good. I see we have an additional guest. This is Veronica. <laughs> she likes the limelight. <laughs> I love it. She looks like a superhero today too. She so. does. Yes. <laughs> well, Angela, I would love to hear like one more question. Um, I'd love to hear kind of how, again, your journey bringing you, how did that then inspire integrated with Angela Erickson? Wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think, sorry, she's so cute. Um, there were so many things that inspired my podcast. Um, and it's not just a pro-life podcast. It, it really covers a, a wide a lot of cultural issues. I mean, I, I, I talk about stuff going on in the church, our spiritual lives and, mm-hmm. uh, and lots of culture war issues. Um, part of being integrated to me is really having a heart that's rightly ordered. And I think a rightly ordered to God, our creator, and how do we do that? That's the kind of the question I want to ask. And I think a lot of the world that we live in today is so disintegrated and that's why abortion is so prevalent. Um, I think people are disintegrated. We're sort of uh, severed our, we have this dualistic mind of, about the separation of body and soul. And we're not seeing how, um, our bodies are actually supposed to reveal our inner dispositions. That's why God made us incarnationally. So, um, and that's why he became incarnate, right? That's part of why, um, to show that to us, what it's like to live a rightly ordered life with our bodies and, and to love him using our bodies. So that's, I think abortion, obviously you could, you can make a lot of parallels with the abortion movement and things like that, with that understanding of, of trying to address that root issue of, of our broken human nature. Oh, and that's where, um, like I was saying, you, you tackle some deep topics, um, within your podcast, but it's done incredibly well with simple things that you can apply to really combat the spiritual attacks or uh, culture wars that there are out there. And so um, thank thank you you so much for taking the time today to join us. Um, And are there any last words that you'd like to say to our audience? No, I mean, thank you just for having me on. It's it's a joy to come back and get into the pro-life conversations. It's just a huge passion of mine and I love it. So it's an honor to be uh, with an organization that I adore talking about something that I love. So thank you for giving me that chance. It is our pleasure. So I'm going to pass it back over to Christine to close us out for today. Yeah. Thanks, Andrea. Thank you so much, Angela. It was a real pleasure to have you on today. Uh, You both mentioned some wonderful resources that I was taking notes to that I can um, actually make links, direct links to some of these resources and drop them in the show notes. So if you're listening, please check out those notes, uh, some really helpful tools that uh, you can use in your ministry. Uh, With that, subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. And thanks for listening to this episode of the Pregnancy Help Podcast.